0: I want to just talk a little bit this morning about partnering with the person of the Holy Spirit and how we are, above all else, invited into a lifestyle that has an um, unmistakable reality to it. And And it's called freedom. It's called freedom. There is an unmistakable reality that comes upon the life of an individual as they connect with the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I, I remember, uh, you know, unmistakably, some of the strongest experiences of my life once I connected with God was that yes, uh, and, and not only from day one meeting with God, but continues to, yes, yes. There's this increasing reality of knowing that I have been liberated at the very core of who I am. I have been completely liberated from the power of sin and I've been completely liberated from a guilty conscience and I have been completely liberated to live a life of righteousness, which is Jesus alive in me. And and so the life I now live, I live by faith in him who has done all of this for me as an absolute gift of love. And I just continue to come into more and more reality of the nature of that, which is freedom, which is freedom, where I can actually walk about in freedom, as King David said. I've considered your ways, O God, and now I will walk about in freedom. So I'm lear- I have learned and continue to learn what it means to receive forgiveness, both from God and from others, from God and from others, learning to receive that and actually learning to walk in that. I, I'm learning, I have and continue to learn to walk with a heart that is no longer seared by my cynicism and my hardness, but it's seared by the love of God. Not, my heart is no longer seared by, by, by cynicism and, and and and, uh, and bitterness and judgment, it's seared by the first fruits of heaven, the person of the Holy Spirit, a, a deposit guaranteeing what is yet to come. I've been seared like a big piece of beef with that cattle iron and mark. By the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what it literally means. I've been sealed. You know, you know, the, uh, way back when, when there was no such thing as email or, or messaging and you, you know, you had to write stuff down. Well, once upon a time, even going back a bit further, they would write things down and then they would, people would put their seal on the back of the envelope saying this, who it belongs to and that it is of utmost importance because I put my seal on this. And, and actually the scriptures talk about how God has placed the seal of His love on us. Solomon talks about the nature of this. God sealed us. This is where we, where we have been born again. This is where we live from. And this is where we learn to live from love, from love, not from hardness of heart, but by the love of God. And yet, I continue to find myself in daily situations and circumstances, stepping into moments, relationships, responsibility, with this new lens and a new opportunity to be able to love people like Jesus does. Every day. This is not a one-time thing. This is an everyday reality of walking with God. Because that's what we've been brought into, a relationship. And yet, I still find... And anyone else who doesn't... Well, hang on. I still find, I still find that even though my spirit and my heart are free and no longer live with no condemnation, yet my flesh and my soul are still learning to come into line with that reality of the work of Jesus Christ alive in me. Yet still learning to have thoughts that are... Godly, yet still learning to actually, like Paul talks about, have the fruit of the Spirit in me over my flesh because my flesh has still got appetites. Um, And I'm learning to walk in the power of the Spirit, and that's what I want to touch on this morning. Jesus wants us to partner with the person of the Holy Spirit who now lives in us. We've started this series a few weeks back on um, the koinonia of partnering with God. Let me just see if I can get this. Going, okay. No, it's not playing hooky for me. Can you go to the next one for me? Thank you. Of having fellowship with God. Can someone check this out for me? Can you check that out for me? Thanks. Thanks i'd rather drive it with that we started this series a number of weeks back where god has clearly invited you and me into fellowship with god koinonia partnership thanks neil we're going excellent oh look at that brilliant appreciate your help mate and one of the you know, things that God wants to bring us into as disciples more and more is the, the reality of walking freely and being alive. I can remember it was probably within two weeks of when I had my, my born-again experience of meeting Jesus, and I went to spend some time with these beautiful Jesus people, and what they did was they committed to walking with me over the next couple of weeks, and they prayed for me and they drove demon after demon after demon out of me out of my flesh out of my mind out of my out of my will they would i'd met jesus and the reason why i was in this moment of being saturated because that's what love does it wants to saturate the entire person jesus didn't come just to save your spirit otherwise he wouldn't have risen been risen and resurrected from the dead The physical body has powerful importance in the kingdom of God. And one of the signs of the kingdom is a physical body that's living in the power of the resurrected Jesus. That's why we pray for healing. That's why we see the inbreaking of the kingdom over sin, over sickness. That's why we ask for complete transformation of people's lives, their minds. Not just their heart. Not just the spirit of a person. But their whole being is important to jesus that's why he took on sin that's why he went into the depths of the earth that's why after three days his body was risen because the body is important to god the, your physical body is important to god and your physical body if it's anything like mine it has appetites and one of the things that the, the the great earmarks of the Christian life of the follower of Jesus is that we, by the power of the Spirit, have the fruit of self-control, where we can actually exercise an authority that's given by God, the new life in God, in within us in Jesus Christ. We can lean into our flesh and say, "Hey, flesh, it's time to come alive, and it's time to live. It's time to come out from underneath." Those addictions, those appetites, those longings that are not life-giving. God God has come to set us free. If there's one earmark of the Christian life that, above all else, that stands out to me, it is freedom. Freedom in Jesus Christ. I can still remember so clearly how my soul was mixed with all of these um perverse thoughts even though i had met christ my mind was still being renewed and transformed and coming into learning how to think like jesus thinks about myself about the people i'm seeing amongst how how i how he he he, he views the world and the value of people uh, and the purpose of people in my life all of that i had to come into alignment with my will had to be be transformed from going from one where, hey, listen, I just want to make this all about me because that's what it was all about before Jesus came and showed me a better way of living. And he actually made it all about him. That then actually created room for me to make it all about others. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That is, you know, he's using covenantal language there. He's talking about the old law. He's saying that thing that shrouds relationship between God and humanity on the basis of law, that's all opened up now. The veil, that veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces. So firstly, he's talking about using old Mosaic language of the veil of the old law and covenant. And that's how we had relationship with God. Actually, no one could be near God and live because we'd rejected God. And God said, well, all right, here's some rules to live by. God gave them to Moses on the mountain and there was a whole sense of treaty and dynamic around that behave this way, get blessed behave that way get cursed and so it wasn't God's uh, uh, plan a that was our plan a and God in his kindness said well I'll I'll meet you there and still be gracious to you in the midst of it and so that veil is taken away and the reality is that human beings now get to walk about unveiled. Because of the grace and the kindness and the freedom of God in Jesus Christ. When we meet the Holy Spirit, our life no longer lives under law. It's no longer veiled. It's no longer living under self-effort and soulish stuff. It's liberated. It's unveiled. We come alive to the reality of God in us, in Jesus Christ. And we reflect the Lord's glory. Unveiled people reflect God. That's what we're meant to be, (laughs) image bearers of God. Go back to the Genesis account. Remember the purposes of humanity. The purposes of people is what? As God's created order is to both reflect the image of God into creation and at the same time take all of the worship of creation and reflect it as a gift back to God. That's the unveiled life. And this is what we've been brought into with Jesus, unveiled And so when people look at us, they go, man, there's you know, I mean, Scott prayed it just before. It's like, God, every time we hang around this bloke, we feel like we want to step closer to Jesus. That's unveiled living. That's not about me. That's about Jesus alive in me. That's about me learning to partner with the power of the Holy Spirit so that the testimony is not about me, but the testimony is about Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Unveiled living. We all reflect the Lord's glory, and we are being transformed into His likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That should be a capital S there, at that on that last one. Who is the Spirit? Freedom. There you go. That is there is. But there, note. Note what's happening here with Paul. There's a both-and language. You are free and you are learning to be free. You are free and you are learning to be free. You are transformed by the love of God and you are learning to walk transformed lives. With ever-increasing reality to that, where once upon a time, My my body just like had this appetite for stuff that was destructive and full of sin. And after following Jesus for nearly 30 years, my body doesn't have that same appetite anymore. It's learnt to become satisfied in God's good presence. That's where my appetite is met by the power of the spirit alive in me Christ in me. so my body's appetite is I hunger for God more than I do for the old ways. Jesus came to set people free free from free we all we often think free from but it's free into. You've been freed into a whole new life in God. Peter talks about that as well in his letters. But he also frames it with the sense of um, because of the mercy of God, we've got this whole new way of living. and, And the implication is I'm still learning how to live that. It's this both and reality. You are transformed and you're being transformed. My mind had to come into this new way of living. My will had to learn to become humble. And you know one of the fruits? (laughs) One of the fruits of a will that's coming alive to God? You're quite happy to apologize a lot. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. That is one of the fruits of a a will that is coming alive to God because you value the relationship with the people that you're in more than being right. And my body was being transformed as well. This is what freedom looks like from the left to the right there. We are filled with the power and the person of the Holy Spirit and his lordship begins to inform and empower and shape who we are, our, our soul making up our mind, our will, our emotions into our flesh and then into the world. Learning to be alive, you know, um, <coughs> just in terms of emotional intelligence, um, I, once Nicole and I, when we were living at Petrie, I, I, I think we might have had Caitlin at the time. But um, Nicole and I got into some really heavy-duty argument, um, you know, and it got pretty heated. And, and so it was probably over something really important, so important I can't remember. But um, it was so important at the time that I basically walked out of the room and my the immaturity of my emotional intelligence of my soul at this point in response to losing the argument was that I walked down the hallway and I put my fist through the wall. I put my fist through the wall. I allowed my flesh to be driven by the emotional immaturity of my soul in response to not being able to get my way. You know, and then I walked back into the room and I grabbed my car keys and Nicole said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Bunnings. <laughs> Why are you going to parties? Well, I've got to go and fix that big hole in the entryway to the house <laughs> that I just put there because of my fist. And by the way, I'm really sorry. Um, you know, our flesh is very responsive to our emotional intelligence, to the to the degree to which we continue to allow our lives to mature and grow up. I mean, even just the other day, like. You know, uh, <laughs> one of the things going on at my joint at the moment, at my house at the moment, is cups. Cups. They seem to get left everywhere, all over the house. Cups. And I don't know, but I just had enough of cups being left everywhere. Because usually, because I would go to the cupboard to get a cup, and there's never any there. Where are the cups? They're all over the place. And I just, my threshold of grace, of of learning to live with the Spirit, like I had a clear and marked moment where I could have leaned into the power of the Holy Spirit and just gone and like, cups are nothing. Just go and pick up all the cups. But I... I Well, I kind of partnered with the Holy Spirit, but I kind of partnered with my flesh at the same time. And my, my, my words, my actions were, I'll go and pick up all the cups. But my words were, I just dropped a few slide of words to make sure that my son knew that I was a bit PA'd with him about his behaviour. I, I've been I've been walking this Jesus walk for thirty something years now, and it's it's I'm still growing. This is the point. My flesh is still, and my emotions are still learning to be yielded to, to be keeping in step with the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a this is a I am transformed, and yet with ever increasing glory. So I leave the so I leave picking up all the cups and I start stacking the dishwasher with them and I go and sit in my leather chair and have a grumble to myself and then after about 15 minutes I knew that I was in poor relationship with my son and I'm like I can't it was like the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow me to leave it there I was happy to leave it there the Holy Spirit though Christ in me alive in me was not happy to leave it there I'm talking really simple stuff. I'm just talking about dirty cups in a house. But this is important mechanics of the big deal of the kingdom of God invading the earth. Because I actually have an opportunity as a father to father a generation of other young men who are actually going to go out and do what I do and what I I model. Just like you. You all, you, you, you all have an opportunity to disciple and empower and model the way of the kingdom of God to generation after generation. And please get busy about it. So after about a quarter of an hour sitting in my leather chair, having a grumble with the Holy Spirit and and my son, I had to get up off my chair and I had to go into the other room and I had to look my son in the eyes and say, I'm really sorry. For the way I just spoke to you, that was uncalled for. Would you forgive me? And he said, sure, Dad, you're forgiven. Done. Restoration of relationship. We could be in the same room together without any tension. The peace of God reigned. I'm just talking about cups. That might not sound like a big deal, but it is in the kingdom of God. This is what it means to live from the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. When freedom advances in our life, greater and greater measures of life seeks to come from Christ in us to those around us. And the fruit is, for those around us, is freedom, just as much as it's freedom for ourselves. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. Um, If you've got your Bible there, quickly turn to 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And in 2 Corinthians 3, I just want to read, uh, read a few scriptures here to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, picking up in verse 7. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, he's talking about here the Mosaic law, so that the israelites could not not look steadily at the face of moses because of its glory fading though it was will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious if the ministry that condemns men is glorious how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness for what was glorious what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with this new surpassing glory And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory which lasts. Therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance uh, was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day that same veil remains whenever the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ Jesus is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when anyone turns to the Lord, whether you're an Israelite or you're like me from the rest of the pagan world, doesn't matter, either or. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed. Now, this morning, I've, I've briefly touched on um, a few theatres, and I want to talk about these theatres just briefly this morning. And when I mean theatres, I mean like spheres of, of, um, of work that's going on inside our soul. Let's just quickly go back one whoops, eh, eh. there we go, in our soul. So I'm talking about in our soul, I'm talking about our, our will, our emotions and our mind, and then I'm talking about our flesh as well. But I just want to touch on a few of the spheres, and namely where the Spirit brings freedom. And how do we partner with the Spirit as the freedom reigns? Well, firstly, let's have a look at our... Mind. Um, a few years back, I was down at um, Strathpine Centre, and I walked out outside to get some money from the um, ATM to go and get a haircut and buy a few things. And so I go to the ATM, and there's no one at the ATM. But I, when I get to the ATM, there's 300 bucks just sitting in the in the you know thing. And there's, there's a little slip there that's a receipt that matches it. And so I stand there at the ATM and I take the money and I take the slip of paper and I stand there and I look around like, whose is this? And I stand there for quite a while, probably two, three minutes, waiting for someone to return. So I just stood there and waited and waited. And no one returned. And so here I am with $300 in my hand that is not mine, but belongs to someone else. But my mind finds itself in this space of, well, no one's here. (laughs) Just take it. And so I have this conversation in my mind of, well, fair enough, you know, they left it. I'll take it, and I started to justify in my mind how I could use this money, you know, in for good, good reasons, namely about myself. But you know, good reasons, and I start justifying, 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 and I'm like, oh! But then, praise God, the Holy Spirit alive in me, bringing me into ever increasing sonship of being one who reflects the glory of God, because that's the life journey I'm on now in freedom, the Holy Spirit starts to talk to me. And the Holy Spirit says to me, well, you have the receipt. And I'm like, I do have the receipt that matches the withdrawal. So the Holy Spirit said, well, just take it back to that bank. So I looked at the bank and the bank was an NAB. And so I just took the money and the receipt and then I walked it to the bank and I waited in the line, and I'm still having this conversation in my mind, and yet at the same time the Holy Spirit alive in me is also bringing the will of the glory of God in this moment in a very practical way for me to the point where I get to the counter, and I say to the um, the cashier, I say to them, uh, look, this money was in that, um, ATM of yours out on the main street over there. This, this was the amount and here's the receipt. That obviously goes with it. So maybe you'll be able to track the person via that to be able to make sure they get their money returned to them. And they looked at me like i just stepped off Mars or something. They looked at me with this incredible look like, who are you? And, and they said, really? You're bringing that? I said, yeah. They said, why would you do that? <laughs> I said, well, I I actually feel like God told me to return it. So I found it. It's not mine. And I'm trying to do the best that I can to return it to whoever it is. And I feel like God said to give it to you guys because it's your bank. And and they still looked at <laughs> the lady still looked at me like, you are from Mars. Yet what she was seeing was the kindness and the glory of God. It looks like. People look at you like you're from Mars because they don't know what the glory of God looks like. That's why when Moses would spend time with God and the glory of God would come over the exterior of his body, people would look at him like, look away, look away. Because they—they it did look like Moses had stepped off Mars. People don't know how to engage with. People don't know how to... Wow, that's that's not normal. It's not normal. It's the kingdom of God. And yet we've settled for normal. In our mind. I I remember, um, you know, that moment was an incredible moment. Um, I I also have this, um, one of the other things that in, in the area of my mind and my thinking, one of the other great joys that partnering with the person of the Holy Spirit brings is the opportunity to be with people and actually see them as God sees them. And actually begin to refer to them as God refers to them. To be able to actually articulate the heart of God over them as God is speaking over them. And actually not choose to see them as alive to God and dead to sin rather than alive to sin and dead to God. But giving yourself over to seeing people like God sees them. Um, And then even seeing yourself. Like God sees you um, in your mind. I'm not sure if many of you here struggle with anxiety or anxious thoughts, but our thought life, or even some of us have had, have thought life that is really toxic. It's filled with just darkness and 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 um, and heaviness. But our thought life, that anxious life, that mind life of the mind can come into a new way of living in jesus paul writes in philippians 4 finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it in practice and the God of peace will be with you. See what see what happens as, as, as we partner with the dynamics of the Spirit and we allow our mind to actually begin to dwell on the truth of who God is, the nobility of his love, the, the, the rightness of his love for our circumstances, the purity of his love. The, the ab, just his love is so admirable and life-giving. It's excellent and praiseworthy. And as we give ourselves over in our the life of our mind to these realities of who our God is, what is the fruit of that? The peace of God will be with you. Take every anxious thought captive. Anxiety is a, is a big one in our mind. I, I ah. Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 10, the ABC, they're all shockers. You know, they just are constantly bombarding the world with anxiety. It's, I mean, every storm is a superstorm. I mean, every, every, every bit of warmth, like this week on sunrise, the weather in Brisbane today is going to be a heat wave, 26 degrees. I'm like, what? Where are you living? 26 today is this is a beautiful day. 26 is beautiful. 26 is not anxiety. 26 is beautiful, but the, the 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 lens through which the world and the patterns of this world now, when Paul uses those words, patterns of this world, he's really talking about the demonic infrastructure that fills the atmosphere. He's saying that fueling is is busy at work, and and. The patterns of this world—they just breed anxiety, and it is not from God. It's not from God. It's the life that we have is peace from God. To be able to be in every circumstance, whether it's a superstorm or a scorcher, well, it's okay. We have the peace of God. We can navigate this. We can walk through this. Um. Taking those thoughts captive to the peace-filling reality of God. That's one theatre that God wants to be at work in, is our mind. Um, the next one that he wants to be at work in is our will. Um, <clears throat> when I was uh, 19, as part of my process of believing that the Holy Spirit was talking to me about becoming having a new vocational vision for my life, where God was giving me a vision for my life. Um, you know how you guys have had a vision for like a like a vocation or a workplace? And part of the process is you actually have to go and sit before some people and go, I think I'm the person for the job. And they sit there and they go, well, we'll be the ones who figure that out. But, you know, come and tell us what you think. Show us your, your skills and your criterias and all that, your, previous learnings and all of that sort of stuff. Well, I went through one of those experiences as well. Mine just happened to be in the context of believing that God was calling me to pastor in the body of Christ. Just same playing field like all of you guys. Um, But part of my interviewing process was I had to go and sit in front of this panel of all these wise old people in this little old dark wooden hall church hall over Chermside way and and as I walked in the one end of the room it was like an empty hall except for this row of chairs where there's this panel of about six people sitting there with one chair in front of them facing them and I kind of figured out as soon as I walked in the room ah, that's for me that's my chair and so I sit there in this chair as a 19 20 year old young bloke Figuring out this sense of, I think God's calling me to something here. My will is is aligning with God for a vocation. And I had to risk my will into the plans of God. That if this was God, those people sitting on that panel that God had organised to be there that day, they would, they would either say, yeah, we see some of God on this. Or they'll say, oh, why don't you go and... Do something else for a while and come back and see us again in another few years. Well, as it happens, they said, we see God on this. Uh, we, we, we think God's will's in this and we're going to affirm that. But my will had to risk trusting God putting me in a vocational place for the purposes of God. That gives me life. And we're like this all the time in all of the choices that we're all making. We actually have to trust that person of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, would you do it my way? Come with me. Let's walk this way. Like Jesus in Luke 22 where he's under the pump. I mean, he's just pre the cross here. He's under the pump and he says, not my will. Not my will, Father, yours be done. Jesus calls us all the time. To yield our will, like last week as I spoke in Philippians 2, that grasping at what we think or should be our destiny, we're happy to let all that go into the hands of God and allow his will to be done. Our will, um, Romans 12, 2 reads it like this. Do not be conformed anymore to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice the implication when your mind, in your soul, there comes alive to God. The implication is this: then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is—His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's quite—it's quite the the journey, isn't it? There's a there's quite a lot. We're pretty complex creations of God, and and um and it's it's really important that we actually give some honor to that complexity and not just push it away like i'll just get over it no no we're complex god made us this way god's incredibly complex who can figure god who can even figure his mind and yet we're made in his image and so we too bear that complexity and it's okay folks It's okay to be complex creations of God. I feel like we spend so much of our time going, oh God, if I just wasn't like me and I was like someone else, then life would be easier. No, no. You'd just be swapping your complexity for who theirs is. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the workmanship of God. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are the many splendid, colorful wisdom of workmanship of God. You are complex. And so am I, if you hadn't guessed that by now. But it's okay. It's okay that God's pleasing and perfect and good will would come alive to us in our soul because we're not being conformed to the pattern of this world, but we're being renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Last one is the flesh. Paul goes after this to the church in Thessalonica when he says to those guys in Thessalonians, Oh, have lost my note here. It is God's will that you be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, and that each of you should learn to control their own body in a way that's holy and honourable. The reason why he's writing this, by the way, is because there's Christians taking advantage of each other sexually in the life of the church. So Paul, it's a, it's a it's a letter to say, hey, get your sex life in order. He's not talking about singles here. He's just talking to people, full stop. Get your sex life in a place of honour. Get your sex life in a place that is full of the holiness and the life of God. Bring your sex life into that space, your flesh. And each of you should learn. Learn. In other words, you haven't arrived yet your flesh has got a journey to take to learn to be controlled by God and not in passionate lusts like unbelievers man i <laughs> it's like sex is like mainstream culture conversation now it's like you pick up your smartphone it's there's porn all over it you 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 look at you know sideline uh, sideboard notice boards on main streets it's all f- filled up with like lingerie and you 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 know it's like every other article on on you know TMZ is so and so left so and so to start having sex with so and so i mean it's just like uh, by the way you need to get these clothes because if you do get these clothes you'll actually be more physically appealing i mean it is just driven into our life at every opportunity and with every means because that is the pattern of this world because the pattern of the world is if you satisfy the flesh then your spirit would be whole now that that's the lie and yet we spend oh man huge amount of the income of our economy on these things And yet at the same time, we're running around in our schools freaking out about the fact that our children are having to be exposed to all this stuff. And yet we're the ones that are exposing them to it. Can you? God help us. (laughs) God help us. But Paul's saying to the Thessalonians, he's saying, guys, get your sex life in order. Get that flesh under control. You can do it. He's saying you can do it and he's not doing it out of law and he's not doing it out of guilt. He's doing it out of the fact that if you understand this, the control of your flesh actually brings you into life and no longer will your flesh drive you, but the spirit of the living God in you will bring you alive and you'll live with joy and sanctification And holiness with regards to your sexuality and your sexual intimacy with others inside the context of marriage. I'll put that bracket around it quite happily and I'll teach you all about Ephesians again if you want. But I'm happy to say that because I think that's the the high view, the high, lofty, life giving view of God that He offers people. All right, maybe I'll. um, So the flesh, that's another theater. But the help of the Spirit brings self-control. Self-control. You know, I, I, I discovered self-control after meeting the person of the Holy Spirit where in my day, video stores used to be around. There's, I don't think they exist anymore because you download everything on Netflix now or Stan. But, but video stores, and there was always one section in the video store that was the R-rated section. And it was always just there. And I can clearly remember as a young bloke, I used to like going to the video store because I could sneak a look at all of the R-rated stuff. and mm, okay, that's quite appealing. Until I met Jesus. And then all of a sudden I meet Jesus and I go to the video store and I look at those things again and okay, go, uh, uh, something's not right here. Actually, the appetite... That I thought I had for that, it's not there anymore. In fact, over time that became I you know, I I have no desire to even want to entertain going and looking at that shelf by the person of the Holy Spirit. And my partnering with the person of the Holy Spirit, with my but it's it's life. It's life giving. And it's not law. It's not law. Controlling our flesh with the life of the Spirit. Look, look for the new signs of, of the life of God. How do I know I'm coming alive in God? Look for the signs. Look for the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control of God. Look for the fruit. Where's the fruit blooming right now? in you guys in yours in your conversation with god where's the stuff in your life where is god saying come on we're going to bring that part of you alive and look for the fruit there the work of the spirit look for the power of increasing freedom look for the power of the spirit look for the fruit of the spirit look for the power of the spirit and then look for the increased sonship or daughtership of god in other words You're actually coming alive to who you were always intended to be as sons and daughters of the living God. That we would be conformed, Romans 8 tells us, to the image of Jesus. We would come alive to Jesus. New life. Look for the fruit, look for the power. Look for the sonship and daughtership. Look for the identity. You know, what did, God, what did God do when he looked at the world and he said, oh, how am I going to resolve all this sin and brokenness and the work of the enemy and the captivating powers and that are at work over my good creation? What am I going to do? I'm going to send my son. God's interested in sonship. God's interested in in restoring humanity to their true identity again through the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The Father's heart is that you and I would be sons and daughters of the living God. The fruit of the Spirit, partnering with the Spirit, is that we too begin to walk in the power of the new creation work of Jesus Christ that we are now alive to because our spirit is filled with with the person of the holy spirit and we are now free to be engaging in new life choices life-giving choices it's also a life work uh, of great dynamic power it's also a life walk of great humility and partnership it's a great life walk of love being a recipient of love and learning to love others through our from our spirit to our heart and our mind our will and our flesh and, and the grace of God that fills us. It's so wonderful to be able to partner with God, not only for ourselves, but for the sake of the world as well. Friends, the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's stand and pray. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come, fill us. We're like these jars of clay that Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians. We're like these jars of clay filled with the treasure of God, filled with the Spirit. Come, fill us again, Holy Spirit. Fill us again, Holy Spirit. Just more, we welcome your Spirit. We say, yes, Lord, come. Come more, Lord. Come more. Holy Spirit, we love you. We partner with you right in this moment. Come more, Holy Spirit. See, just let the Lord touch you. Touch you. For some of you, this is a a work in you. For some of this, the Spirit is coming on you. Both end is good. Just let the Spirit come. Let the Spirit of the Lord come upon you. More, Lord. We prayed that there would be a prophetic fresh wind of the Spirit. It's moving through the building, even in the natural those flags are the Lord saying, I'm here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are among us. More. We seek the freedom. That's it. More. That's it. Just receive the Holy Spirit. Let those theatres of your life come under the lordship of the kindness of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Let those theatres, let your mind, let your will, let your emotions, let your flesh receive the kingdom of God. Life forevermore. That's it. Just receive the Spirit. More, Lord. We wait for you. Oh, I love the sound of freedom, Lord. I love the sound of your love just coming and touching us with freedom and setting us free to be to be fully alive. <laughs> and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have not left us. Even when we've forgotten who we are and we've partnered with sin and we've partnered with the appetite of our flesh and the toxicity of our thought life and it's led us into dark and heavy and broken places and it's robbed us of life. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you haven't left us. But I thank you that you have placed your seal upon us when we said, yes, come Lord Jesus, be my king. I thank you for your promise, Holy Spirit. You have never left us. And I just pray now, Holy Spirit, that your life would just like expand. Expand. And the increase of his government would be there. <laughs> Ever increasing. Thank you, Lord. Freedom. That's it, God. I see God. Thank you more.